Hey lovely ladies, it's Jen. I'm a mental wellness weight loss coach and I help women who are struggling with emotional eating. It can be a roller coaster ride of cravings and comfort and just drive you absolutely bonkers. So I break down how you break free from emotional eating, binge eating, chronic dieting, and kind of take a new approach, an untraditional approach to the way we look at eating, the way we look at weight loss, and the way that we look at living. So enjoy. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be used as medical treatment or medical diagnosis. So today you get to hear from Joe Peters. She's fun. She's fiery. She's energetic. Um, I enjoyed our conversation. We, you know, she actually shared in the beginning about her um, connection between depression and food and how that played out for her. Um, and then we went into, you know, why diets don't work for emotional eaters and binge eaters. Um, she refuses to use the word weight loss and she tells us why. Um, and she also kind of helps show you how you can move from the shame and guilt to an empowering health journey. So it's definitely something you want to listen to if you're in this space and we, you know, uh, at the end went into a bit about boundaries. Emotional eaters definitely have trouble with boundaries in our life. And, you know, we, we tend to want to make the change. We have the best of intentions we get all excited. And then as soon as we think it's going to disrupt someone or someone's going to be mad at us, or it's going to take, you know, it's going to be an issue. We take our needs off the table and um, revert back to what, where we started. And that's not really what we want. It's not really the option that we have to live with. So she talks us through some tangible strategies and some, you know, understanding of what you can do uh, to create some boundaries in your life around food and relationships um, and so on. So she actually has got some, some chomps in her credentials too. I'm going to read them for you and let you know who she is and why you should be listening to her. But Joe is an experienced and passionate leader speaker, coach, transformational trainer, mom, wife, and friend, not to mention a best-selling author of two books in seven countries. She enjoys helping women to discover how to have it all without doing it all, finding the best version of themselves, understanding that it's never about the money, the food, the kids, or the husband. Instead, it's always about them, the inner work they need to do to be able to live the life of their dreams that they totally deserve to live. Joe has over 17 years of experience working with Fortune 100 companies like Goodyear and Pepsi Cola and the leading personal development companies like Mind Valley. She has coached and trained over 15,000 people on four continents and in more than 2,500, 25 countries. Um, 2,500 countries would be a lot, but 25 countries is still quite, quite amazing. Joe has spoken in multiple universities, both in the U.S. and internationally, and is frequently a podcast guest where she shares her knowledge and experience in a broader way. She's also the host of a TV show, Mom Fit, with Joe Peters, that reaches over a million views every week. She has a free ebook that will be in the show notes for you, Perfectionist in Recovery. You can go check that out. But let me put the podcast episode up for you so you can get into it and listen. And I'd love to hear what you think after. Um, this is a good one. And as my seven-year-old would like to say, sharing is caring. So send to a friend you think would benefit. And of course, on your socials, I'll love you forever. And don't forget to subscribe to Freedom Within to not miss any other future interviews or episodes to the show. Enjoy. 
So I have Jo with me and I'm excited for her to share her story and get to know her a little bit more. And it just, I'm gonna actually hand it right over to you and take it away. Can you tell us a little bit about you, your background? You have like some pretty cool credentials and it's just, I'm excited to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Jen. And thank you for doing this uh, podcast and helping people to understand how actually having a healthy relationship with their food is possible. I am an engineer. I'm from Colombia. After 15 years in Fortune 100 companies, traveling the world, like you saw, um, I decided to start working on my own business. I started my own business with the firm belief that we need to change the world. And the easiest, fastest way to do that is empowering women, empowering women to have it all without doing it all. And that is start with our health. A little bit of my history and my personal um, experience is I found over and over and over again that it's never about the food. Like that is what the diet industry wants us to believe. That is what the food industry wants us to believe. So we are distracted with just counting the calories and seeing the food. But especially for us females, it's never about the food. It's about our relationship and the emotional part of it. I suffer from depression for over 25 years. Start when I was 14 years old and muscled through it my entire teenagers, 20s. And actually over almost 10 years ago, by changing the way that I eat, I start finding that some of those foods that I was eating were triggering my depression and my anxiety. And that was the breaking point into me, not only being passionate about <clears throat> that for myself and woman, but as I work with moms, it becomes very important for me to also make sure that they have the tools to not to understand what it is and what it can is. Because one of my first thoughts was, I always thought that was something wrong with me on my depression. And there was something as simple as the amount of refined sugar that I was intaking while was triggering to me. Of course, disclaimer, I'm not saying that every person with the pleasure with depression is triggered by a refined sugar, but I'm saying that it's part of that understanding of our body and start being um, open to listen the messages of our body. And that is one of the pillars that I love working with or working moms into their journey of having it all. Love it. So I find that I'm glad you brought that up and the fact that the our food choices does impact how we feel because I think sometimes we think our feelings are impacting our food choices but it works both ways like it's we want to look at things on all angles so that we can actually create solutions and um you know if you keep feeling like you're always in the same spot you have to look somewhere else or you have to change what you're doing to make some changes so how do you, why don't you think diets don't work for emotional eaters or binge eaters? Why do you think the diets aren't, aren't getting it done? My experience and what I've been seeing is that diets are based on external efforts. So I am following his diet. I am following her diet. And then you see it all the time here and is I can't have this. I can't have this. And what that all does is create a, sensation of restriction of I am depriving myself of I want to but I can't so it's giving the power away to a third party and they don't work because eventually when the emotional triggers come when the emotional eating come when the emotional situations come that by nature is not if is when they come 
when totally. we fight with our partner, when we have problems with the kids, when we have a bad news, then all that steam that is being pressured on into, I can't because I need to be good to follow the diet. Then our reptile brain is like, screw this. Mm -hmm. I know by memory that the going to these foods make me feel good because it's attached to that emotion. So then they go into that uh, binging or that I'm going to have it. And then it's a toxic circle because then how they feel after they feel guilt, they feel shame, they feel embarrassed. They feel like, oh my gosh, what is, what is wrong with me that I cannot keep this diet when in theory, everybody else is doing it so well. So for me, diets are a very toxic approach. The funny enough, the word diet should not be seen like that. Diet is a way of eating. Actually, every animal in the planet had a specific diet. If they de deviate from that diet, then they start presenting issues. But we are not using the word dieting or diet as the way that we as humans should be eating and our natural way of eating. We use it as a short term. I'm going to deprive myself. I'm going to force myself into meeting this goal, um, losing weight. That is another one that I don't like much. Restriction, right? Like cal it's generally calorie. Most <laughs> diets drop you into like a 1200, 1300 calorie a day to lose the weight so that you do lose weight initially, but you just can't live on 1200, 1200 calories a day, especially like women that are super busy and aren't just like, we are active. If you live in 2023, like you have stuff going on, you've got jobs, kids, all the things you need more than 1200 calories long-term. Absolutely. And then the thing is, it's almost like for me as a mom, if my baby had fever, yeah, I will. I can give him just medicine for the fever. But if the fever stay and I just treat the symptom, that would be responsible. Like after two weeks, people around me will be like, that is not very smart. Why you don't just go deep into the root cause? And that is the real work around this is finding what those foods are um, masking and what they are representing from the real deep part of emotional needs, how we feel, how we cope, how we handle it. Because the reality is that there have been a study that show it that that gain of weight is a way to protect our body and protect ourselves. So yeah, I can release it that if my body is not feeling safer than when gained the weight, mm -hmm. it was going to gain it back. I was actually reviewing uh, some of the statistics and said that in average, a person that go into one of these strict diets, in average, over 90% of them not only gain the weight that they lose, but also gain in average three additional pounds. And that is literally the dog chasing the tail. So you go over and over and over. And at the end, what frustrates me the most is it hit into our own self-esteem, into what is wrong with me why I cannot keep this, why this cannot be sustainable for me. I has to, I had to be broken because this is the solution and I can still not do it in a sustainable long-term approach. Mm -hmm. So what will you tell people listening that are like, they're thinking about starting, you know, it's December, most people in January, they're thinking like, how can I lose this extra pounds I just put on or 
Um, January is like a big year for creating resolutions and making yourself, you know, making yourself better. But at the same time, how do we do this in a way that's sustainable and that sticks and that doesn't, you know, create those feelings of um, what's wrong with me? Few things. The first one that I tell and I work with all my clients is I will invite all of you to drop the concept of lose weight. And the reason for that is I want you to make the exercise to think any other time in your life when you lose something is attached to, it's not good, it's not something that you're excited to, and then you tend to recover it. If, if you tell me, hey, Joe, I lost my phone. What is the first thing that we need to do? We need to track back your steps to find your, your phone, to find your keys. So that is, in my, my hypothesis, is that is one of the strategies that the diet industry use to leverage the power of our mind. Because every time that we say, I lose 10 pounds, then our reptile brain, our subconscious is like, oh, don't worry. I will I'm going to find them back. <laughs> I'm going to find that, like I found the keys, like I found the phone, like I find everything else that is lost. Don't worry, I will find it. So the first one is don't go into, in January, losing weight because you don't want to lose it because you don't want to find it back. So how you can do another more empowering approach of I release, <coughs> I drop, I let go of the way that doesn't serve me. I think that that is the first one because that, that part of our subconscious mind can be sabotaging us into that cycle. The second one is, is that, is that why you refuse to use the word weight loss? Yeah. Okay. You just take yeah. it out of the vocabulary, ladies. Let's just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. And then you just drop, release, let go. Something that really in your mind is more aligned with the meaning of is going and never coming back. Okay. And then your reptile brain is not as scared about, oh my gosh, we need to find it back because we lost it. Mm -hmm. um, then the second one is break that all or nothing mentality. And that all or nothing mentality is very attached into some of us are either perfectionists or procrastinators as females mm -hmm. and goes into, oh, for example, I'm going to go all the way and enjoy my holidays. <laughs> and that means eating a lot of the time mindlessly everything, because then in January, I'm going to swing the pendulum into eating lettuce, chicken breast and broccoli for three weeks. That swing is part of what we fail mm -hmm. because your body is not good at making those extremes. Actually, physically, one of the things that is the easiest one to explain is temperature. If your body changed temperature more than a couple of degrees at the time, you're going to shock. Your body cannot handle that adaption. The same happened with eating. And that is what does that cycle. So my second tip is go into January into 1% better, smaller steps. If you want fast results and I'm going to release the 10 pounds that I put in December because then the statistics show that between Halloween and New Year's Eve, people add between seven and 15 pounds. You're like, okay, I'm going to release them all in January and February. What you are setting yourself is to struggle to sustain that in March, April, May, and keep doing that swing of binging, strict dieting. So the first one is how you can start having habits, how you can in January ramp up your water. One of the biggest 
feelings that we have when we think that we are hungry is that we are thirsty because biologically our ancestors in the caves they didn't have access to bottles of water so the only way that they have access to water was either in the river or through fruits and root veggies so how you can start working on those basics like the water like start increasing your fruits and root veggies instead of going to the extreme of the full diet restriction counting my calories and exercising two hours per day because as more you start compounding effect those one percent improvements first they become a habit second they become lasting long results because then becomes who you are so that is the second one stop that all or nothing and then the third one is this is a beautiful time for us to be honest into the emotional connection between enjoying the holidays and eating mindlessly mm -hmm. i'm telling you in my house, are we going to have cookies for Christmas? Yes, we're going to have cookies for Christmas. Do I eat dessert? Yes, I do eat dessert. My invitation is stop and eat slow so you can listen to what your body's telling you. Don't assume that holidays mean that you need to have that coma after eating where everybody's in their sofa just barely keeping their eyes out because of how much they eat, but use it as an experiment. Okay, this holiday. First, what are some of those memories of I have to have this food because it's Christmas, because it's Hanukkah, because it's the holidays? What are the emotions? What are the memories attached to that? And then what it will be like for you to slow down and chew and eat slow without scrolling into your phone, without watching the TV, Literally be present eating so you can hear the loop of your body saying, ooh, I don't like this. Or yeah, I like it. Or ooh, I have a drop in energy. So you can start working as a team with your body. One of the most amazing discoveries for me and my clients was that normally after the third bite, our mind goes into auto response, into autopilot. Mm -hmm. That means that you taste the first three bites and after the third bite, you don't. And you don't because in the caves, our ancestors had to be careful about the tiger and the lion and the kid don't going out of the cliff. So the first three bites were meant to let us know if the food was safe and if it was okay to give it to the tribe. And after that, we were just eating mindlessly. Why that is important now? Because those three first bites are also the ones that are the highest attached to the memories that we have of food. Mm -hmm. So how is going to look like to taste? And just challenge yourself. I wonder how the fifth bite will taste or the 10 bite will taste. Are they going to taste as good as the first one and the second one? If not, huh, interesting. Why not explore instead of allowing yourself to go into that swing of motion of just going through what you always did yeah and back in the day it was so much harder to get food and like how much work you had to put in to get it and this year that it might not be there we don't have that problem anymore <laughs> so I feel like we don't really have the luxury of being mind mindless because of the accessibility to food that we have and like you 
you know, it's so easy to do. You got the kids' plates there. You can go through the drive-through. You've got, there's always snacks on somebody's. And I think there is that connection love. People love to feed people. So it's like very, if you're mindless with your food, like at the end of the day, like changing that um, trajectory is actually huge. Even though it sounds, I feel like it sounds like a buzzword or that sounds like just be mindful, but like the implications are huge, right? Absolutely. I will tell you a personal story that happened with me uh, on that, allowing my body to give me the loop and the feedback. Since I think that since I'm 13, 14, I always struggle with a little muffin under my belly button. And Jen, I hate it. And I did all the exercise in the world and all the changes into that never went away. Mm -hmm. Then a few years ago, start doing this mind, mindful stuff, seeing how it tastes, how it feels. Then I start pinpointing that it was actually gluten intolerance. That little muffin was never fat. It was my intestines being inflammated. And I start recreating that. I'm telling you, do I never eat pasta or pizza? No, I do. But now I have the power and the control to choose if it's worth it for me or not, because I know that when I have gluten, when I have pasta, the next day, the little muffin is going to come up. But I mean, to have that awareness now too, of knowing that you didn't just gain 10 pounds, like that's helpful information too. So it's a little bit of bloating. It's because I ate this and I enjoyed it. I choose it. There's the energy is really clean versus, oh my gosh, I'm oh, fat and I hate this part of myself. And now it's a big, huge story. So that awareness factor of figuring out what these foods are doing to you specifically, because we're all different. Everybody, everything affects us each differently. Can I ask you about being, so did you grow up in Colombia? Mm -hmm. What was it like their diet culture? Like, I feel, I always think of like, I don't know, I, I guess growing up in America, I'm just curious to know, like, what was it like there? Was there a huge appearance was important or a weight set point was important? It was, it yeah. was, and it is very similar. One of the main difference, and I see it when I go there I saw it when I went to Bali. I saw it when I went to Europe is the food doesn't have as much vitamins and additives and things. So you may feel that you are eating less healthy, but at the end, your body is um, reacting different. For example, when I go to Colombia or last September, I went to Bali, eat things that I normally don't eat in a frequency that I normally don't eat. And every time I come back and the scale says that I am even lighter than when I went out. So mm -hmm. that is a big difference into what each country, how each country prepare their foods and get things for their foods and how much uh, added sugar that is, how many, everything, even water, how minerals and things to upset the body. But in terms of the culture, yes, I think that is very similar. <laughs> Is it still that patriarchal culture of, especially for us females, mm -hmm. of you need to look good, you need to um, feel confident, you need to feel sexy, you need to look good in your clothes. And then early on, um, there is that comparison with the mirror. I used to play water polo. So for us in Colombia, I was a lot into how we look in the swimming suit versus others. 
And mm -hmm. I, I think that is um, very, very, very normal, very normalized. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I think of like, I don't know, I'm um, more curved, like a curvier, more, it's more accepted, but um, so that's why I was curious if it was, that was true or not, but I guess we can't escape it as women. We need to change this narrative. We need to change the story here, <laughs> like of for the next generation of allowing, you know, young girls or and still to this day, all of us that our worth or our um, happiness is not e equivalent to what the scale says or what our size is in the moment. And I love that one of the things that I normally work with my clients is that hashtag divorce the scale. The scale is one of the most BS, very narrow indicators of your health and your weight. Yeah. Because the scale is giving you an absolute number. I norm normally tell people, okay, Jen, if I tell you, hey, you're going to move all your money to this bank, but this bank is going to tell you only the absolute number that you have. It will not matter if it's minus $5,000 or plus $5,000, it's only going to tell you $5,000. Mm -hmm. How likely you're going to be to move your money there? You're going to be like, mm, uh, uh, that is not good. That is what scales are. Scales are giving you an absolute number that don't have in consideration your muscle, your water, your if you are bloated, if you are digesting foods that are slower to digest, if you have more poop in your intestines or no. And then day after day after day, women that are obsessed with the scale that weigh themselves every day, have a mini panic attack when they went into the scale and the number that they see is not what they were expecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can set you off. It can be a trigger. And then it can be, you know, that thing that changes the trajectory of, or put, you know, you put some hard work in, you see the number and then it takes you back. So eliminating, I agree with you. If um, getting rid of that scale can be, it's one metric. There's so many other metrics, how you feel how you're sleeping, what your, you know, uh, your enjoyment levels, all of those things. So how can women move from that shame and guilt to an empowered health journey? How, how can they do that? <clears throat> One of the most important ones is stop giving your power away mm -hmm. or being very mindful with your wording into, it's not that I can't have the brownie, it's not that I cannot have the drink because every time that we use this wording, we are giving it away. You start embracing that is your health. You are in the driver's seat. You are choosing. I'm choosing to take a break of this. I'm choosing to not have this right now. And this goes very hand to hand with something that a lot of us females work on in as people pleasing. And is how you can start claiming your voice and start putting boundaries regards what you want to do because it's what you want and not, especially now in the holidays, oh, but my mother-in-law spent the entire afternoon doing this. But I know that that doesn't feel good in my body. Well, but I still have to have it. So I, I think that food is never about the food. Food is one of those channels that allows to claim that power on our cell phone is speaking up of having boundaries. One of them is that I'm very passionate about is not about restriction. It's not about you not having the foods. What I will invite you to do is two things. The first one, 
It's about you having the freedom to choose to eat them when you want to eat them mm -hmm. and feel the same freedom and empowerment to say, no, thank you. I'm not having that right now when you don't want to. Mm -hmm. When yeah. it's free. When there are free donuts. Having the freedom to say, I'm not having donuts right now. Thank you. That is the first one of start understanding and knowing how you feel with those situations because it's very easy and it really is sad how the diet industry and some influencers are using that to promote mindless eating is, oh, you need to have the freedom to eat whatever you want when you want it. Yes, I agree with that. I don't want to take that from you. And I want you to feel the same freedom to not have it when you don't want to. Mm -hmm. How many times we don't want something and we just cannot say no. Can you give an example of how to um, show up to someone if there's like a food pusher or someone that you know, let's say is baking you this beautiful food or know is spending a lot of time? What, how can someone um, come to that table, come to that conversation and say no? Like what, what's a good way for them to do that? Perfect. I want to start by telling you that there is only two reasons why somebody's pushing you to eat something that you don't want to eat. The first one is <laughs> people that love you and care about you and really think that you are missing out because that is what diets do. They restrict you and they don't allow you to enjoy life. So they really care about you <laughs> and they are worried that you are missing out and they want to help you to enjoy. And the other part is people that are not feeling comfortable with themselves and your choices are making the gap and the difference even bigger for them to see and sit with the discomfort of how they are choosing to treat their body. Mm -hmm. So with those two, it makes a lot of relief to know that, especially now in the holidays, everybody that you are exposed to is in one of those categories. They are really worried about you and love you and are concerned that you are missing out or they are not comfortable with their self and your choices are actually mirroring back the difference. With that knowing, a couple of steps. First one, don't wait until last minute. Sometimes these are delicate topics and we're like, oh, we postpone it and procrastinate it and I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it next week. And then here you are the day of the event in the living room and then you're like, crap, I will just have to eat it. <laughs> so if you are in this journey of being more mindful with what you eat, if you already know that there are some foods that are not sitting well with you, there are some foods that are triggering you, like artificial coloring for ADHD or refined sugar for mood swings. Share with the people that you love and that you are going to be exposed your journey. And be very clear, this is not a diet. Mm -hmm. I am curious and doing an experiment and trying to see how I feel when I eat different foods. And because of that, right now, I'm not having this. Mm -hmm. Then after that, Give them an alternative. Hey, by the way, please, Jen, don't feel concerned or guilty or pressured that you need to accommodate your dinner or your meals to what I'm telling you. I'm going to bring a dish to share. I'm going to bring this to share so we all can have it and I will be fine. So you keep take your worry that you are making the other person, your mother-in-law, your friend, having to have more trouble. 
-hmm. That's the second one. And then the third one is give possibilities. For example, with my kid, because of my depression, I am very sensitive with my kid not consuming refined sugar. Will that be forever for his life? No, I know that as he starts growing up, he's only two years and a half, those situations are going to come. But as long as I can, I'm going to keep him from them so he doesn't develop his taste buds to that level of sugar that is 150 to 200% more sweet. So my mother-in-law, this is the year where he's talking, where he's doing things. So big tradition, Christmas cookies. Mm -hmm where the boundary was. We love that you are going to make cookies with Elliot. We are super excited. I bought him a, a chef hat. A chef hat. A chef hat in <laughs> Dress April. <the> part. <laughs> Absolutely. We bought the cookers and then I did research and say, these are some cookies that we would love to make with you and Elliot. So then it was not only, hey, no, I'm, we are not going to eat your cookies. We are not going to eat the cookies that you made with love is mm -hmm. we are choosing to not have that. You still are going to make the memories. You still are going to have quality time. We are going to make these cookies. And then it's always important to share our why. Mm -hmm. Especially, I tell you, people that love us and think that we are deprived or people that uh, are feeling the gap. And the reason why is I am not feeling very good in my body. I'm being very tired. <laughs> I'm trying to find how to have more energy. I'm trying with my mother-in-law, for example, was literally, I am scared to death that he will have the same sensitivity to sugar that I had. And I want to make sure that I give him all the chances to live a life without depression because I know what it is live a life with depression every day for 25 years. So being able to articulate that, why? That is not always easy. So practice. Mm -hmm. There is always people that triggers more, more than others, our mom, our mother-in-law, our sister-in-law. Don't start with that person. Start with people that you feel safe sharing. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Thank you for the invitation. This is the plan B. These are alternatives. And then at the end of the event, at the end of the holiday party, be grateful. Hey, Jen, I just want to let you know that it means a lot to me to feel your support on the changes that I'm making. And it's making me feel very empowered to know that you have my back. Mm -hmm. What about, I love that. I love that you gave like a kind of like a script that someone can kind of tap into and use. You go back and listen to this and, um, giving that, having the conversation before it will happen, making sure you're sharing the why, making sure you're kind of being accommodating initially, like with your, what your needs are and getting your needs met. What about for the person that doesn't honor your boundaries? I'm interrupting myself because I just want to say thank you for being here. I appreciate that you're here. And if you're enjoying and appreciating these episodes, please leave a five-star review and a comment. It helps this podcast get out to more women to hear about how they can overcome emotional eating, binge eating, secret eating, and have more enjoyable, pleasurable weight loss. I want that for you. It is possible. Do not forget to go to the show notes and look at all the resources that are available to you um, as you go on your journey. And with that, back to the show. For the person that keep pushing mm -hmm. and keep saying, well, 
it's very important that you really quickly start thinking. And I will invite you to do a list. We all have them. Mm-hmm. So make a list. What are the ones that I'm saying? Like, oh my gosh, even if I say what Joanne and Joe are saying, this person is going to still push, is not going to respect the boundary, is not going to respect the limit. When you have the list, start putting next to the name of each of them, which of the two groups are. <laughs> do you think that are because they truly love you and feel that you are being deprived and want to help you? Or do you think that they are actually really not happy about themselves and not feeling comfortable with themselves? Mm-hmm. So depending on which of those two, then what you need to do there is reinforce the boundary. And one of the things on the boundaries is this is with food and with everything. Boundary is about what I'm going to do if you don't respect the boundary. So I am I am choosing to not give um, refined sugar cookies to my baby on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Then <clears throat> if you choose to not respect that and you give my baby cookies or start telling all the other family members how sad is that my baby is not enjoying Christmas because he's not having cookies, then uh, the decision that I'm going to make is I am going to limit the time that I spend there. And then it's, it's nice to say it. One of the reasons why we don't hold boundaries and we let these people push the boundaries is because we are afraid to hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. But when we remember that a boundary is the place where I can love you and mm-hmm. still love myself, then I say, I'm not hurting your feelings. I'm still loving you. But that doesn't mean that I cannot love myself. And loving myself means that I want to choose to be mindful into what I'm eating this holiday. That means that I don't want to have three different desserts. That means that I'm not going to have five drinks every night. And then knowing that we are worth it and that it goes back into that emotional eating into really working on that. It's never about the food, the root of how we feel worth it, how we feel enough, how we feel that what we want matters. Because yeah, when they are pushing your boundary, what you are saying is what you want is more important and is more worth it than what I want. Mm -hmm. And instead is what I want matters. And that I want a different health in 2024 matters. And it's important. Coming back to that, why coming back to like what you want is important. And I I didn't mean to like push you too much, but I also wanted to just really highlight that because boundaries is really difficult for emotional leaders, not just with your food, but in your life with the people around you. So the more that you practice and exercise these concepts of, and they don't always work every single time, but you have to keep doing it to practice, to keep getting better at it. And they are, you know, sometimes it's really sloppy. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it doesn't go like the way you think it's going to go, but to continually create what it is that you want and know what it is and be able to step up for yourself as you're, you know, maneuvering through this process. So that's why I wanted, I'm very glad that you could give um, that information to the ladies listening. I'm just under like how to navigate through it because it can be really difficult we have these all these great ideas in our head like i'm gonna do this this and this and then as soon as someone says oh that doesn't work for me we like rethink everything that you know we take our stuff off the table so allowing to look for option c like you said with your son creating yes they still get to have the time with your mother-in-law but we're going to cook these cookies. So it's not like all or nothing always. Like it can be find that option C that works for 
uh, for everybody. And then if not, you gotta, you know, create stability where you need it. And I will give you a big tip there on that all or nothing. Mm. It's never about the food. A lot of the time it's about the ingredients. So another great opportunity to think about is how I can make this food mm -hmm. with ingredients that are more aligned with what, how I want to feel. For example, with my gluten intolerance, I enjoy pizza. When my husband wants pizza, I want to have pizza with him. But I know that gluten doesn't sit well with me. So I'm not saying no to the food. I'm not saying no to the pizza. I'm choosing to have a pizza with a cauliflower frost or with a gluten-free. So especially now in the holidays with all the desserts and all the cookies, it's not about you saying, oh, I need to be restrictive and not have these foods, but start being curious and actually get excited about finding ways to make those foods that are maybe traditional since you are a child, are traditional in your family, with ingredients that are more whole, with ingredients that are more supportive, with ingredients that make you feel better and not so low or inflammated afterwards. And then find that middle point, that plan C, that 50 chase of joy, how I call it, where it's not I either eating everything or I'm not eating anything, but find that possibility of having it all I love it well where can um ladies find you where can they get more of joe and your philosophy and who you are you're like a lot i could just tell like you got energy <laughs> i think for miles and miles and miles so i where can where can women find you you can find me on social media and on my website it, everything is joe unicorn coach so if you're type joe unicorn coach on Instagram, Facebook, or the website, www.joeunicorncoach. You can find me there and I will be happy to interact with your audience. Like I told you in the, in the first minutes, when I found out that food was not only making me feel emotions, but was the foods were actually triggers on emotions that opened a huge side on my life into how else and where else food is being impacting us. And we are chasing energy and inflammation and diseases and all these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the last thing that we think is that what we are eating is contributing to some of those things. So I want to let you know that 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 is possible and that you have amazing people like Jen, like me, like other women that want you to have it all, to be successful and to feel amazing with your body without compromising. Yeah, because our health, I mean, it, can, it sounds cliche, health as well, until you lose it, until you don't have it. And then you recognize like, yeah, no, this is worth the investment of time. It's worth figuring out. It's worth, you know, the energy that you need to make the changes and to start to design the life that works for you and redefine your weight loss story and what that looks like. But um, no, I love that we got to have this conversation. You gave some really good, like tangible tips and sharing the, you know, space of just how it makes you feel is a, I mean, that's people need to hear women need to hear that too, of what you're eating can affect your mood as well and your emotional state. So thank you so much. Thank you guys for being here. I love you. And I will talk to you next week.